I'm Heidi Harris. Welcome to the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do this three times a week. You can subscribe for free at iTunes. You can also check them out at HeidiHarris.com. And you can hear me live weekday mornings at 6.70 a.m. KMZQ, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And I will continue to do the podcast by popular demand and, of course, the weekly show every single day, five days a week, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. 30 years ago this month, we had a pretty big happening in Vegas. There was a company called Pepcon that made a thing that nobody, most of us had never heard of, sodium perchlorate, that apparently was used for jet fuel or something like that. Anyway, this factory blew up in Henderson. You have to understand, 30 years ago, there was nothing in Henderson or virtually nothing like it is today. But everybody all over the valley remembers where they were when Pepcom blew up. This changed so many things in town. And obviously this factory and some other ones like it have been moved out of the Las Vegas area. As a result, it blew out doors and windows for miles around. I mean, this was huge. And here's the crazy thing. The man who is now my pastor, Dominic Rodriguez, who was not a pastor at the time, he was just a young man 30 years ago, he was in the building at the time. So I wanted you to get his perspective on what it was like to be involved in that kind of thing, what he was thinking, what he did to survive it. There were a couple of people who lost their lives, just a couple, but it could have been far worse. And if you think about it, since the Pepcon disaster, he and his wife have gone on to have two kids. He's now pastoring a church. These are all things that would never have happened had he not survived the Pepcon blast. Dom was my guest on my regular radio show last week, which was the 30th anniversary of the Pepcon blast. Dominic Rodriguez, welcome to the Heidi Hair Show. Hi, Heidi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Can you believe it's been 30 years? I feel old. No, yeah, me too. And no, I can't. It's funny. Time flies. <laughs> yes, it does. Now, tell me about that morning 30 years ago. Well, I'll tell you what. It's, it's really kind of funny and ironic. I, we worked, you know, rotating shifts constantly. One week, uh, a day shift, swing shift, and graveyard. So it was my first day back on day shift, and it was kind of overcast. Quite frankly, the bottom line is what I'm trying to get at. I really didn't feel like working that day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a frumpy mood. Yeah. But, um, you know, we go there. It was a typical day. Uh, we were processing the ammonium perchlorate. I worked in the liquid stage and then uh, doing a pump out to where it goes to the batch house, where initially the batch house was where all the problems happened at and where the explosion came from. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's called the batch house? Yeah, there, there are several stages where they, they process this. First, it was liquid form. Once it, it gets to a certain chemical stage and a certain, you know, heat and everything, I forget now. It's been so long because uh, I'm kind of jogging my memory because I was asked last minute to do this by a good friend of mine. So um, <laughs> and, and, uh, so you get to a certain stage in the in the process, the chemical process, then it gets pumped out. Oh, and I, I see. believe it went over to the batch house where they – do the first solid stage of it to where it starts crystallizing and looks like basically a big pile of a flour or something or mm. sugar. Interesting. Um, now, so is it more dangerous at that stage than the liquid stage? It sounds like it's dangerous at every stage. Yeah, you know what? It is kind of touchy, but quite frankly, as I was sitting here thinking about it, it isn't even a batch house because I, I'll bring something out, and a lot of times people don't want to say exactly who a, a major culprit behind that explosion was which everybody knows who paid out millions of dollars, and that's another issue. Mm -hmm. But um, really, the ultimate, um, the, the the place where it's really volatile, believe it or not, is after the batch house, you go to the other spot where, and and if there's somebody out there that's listening that worked these, please feel free to correct me, because I was only working there for about eight months when everything went down. And then the final phase was 
it gets to a spot where it almost like crystallizes. It's one of the final places you put it in a barrel, and then you know you put it out in the railroad tracks where they pick it up and they go and give it to whoever we sold it to. That spot was the most volatile because if you built up so much material on your jeans, let's say you were slothful and you didn't clean your stuff and you, you had this material caked on your jeans, if you just dragged your feet across the pavement, they were paranoid that would just ignite Wow. Your, your pants off. Yeah. Wow. How scary is that? We're speaking with Dominic Rodriguez, who was in the Pepcon building when it exploded in 1988, 30 years ago today. It's hard to believe. So now there were two explosions. Where were you when the first one hit? Well, you know, and actually, Heidi, um, really, there was three. Oh, okay. Uh, there was two before the big one. I was at the, the second one was my department. So where was I? Um, I was just finishing a pump out. I'm inside this huge tank that's about 10 feet tall by about 30 feet wide, getting all the product out of it. And I come walking out, and I was just kind of frumpy because I just really was, I had a late light, didn't need to eat lunch yet. And as I come out, I look over the batch house. The batch house is right next to us, and it's a building that's about three stories high by about 100 yards long, about 30 feet deep. Well, right over the top of it was like a big, gigantic hand. It was flames coming up over the top. Wow. Um, and I thought it was, okay, wow, what's the deal? So I, I see that. <laughs> And it was at that point, uh, you know, I'm looking around, and really what alarmed me and alerted me to the seriousness of the issue was there was guys that had been working there for a long time, and they had a sweet gig. They were the maintenance guys, steady shift, day shift, and they'd been there for 20-some years. They were in the back. But when I saw these guys, I, I used to make fun of them. I just got out of the Marine Corps, and these guys were kind of, well, let's just say heavy. And I was always back, you saying, hey, you guys got to work out, take vitamins, this, that, and the other. These guys would never even walk fast. And all of a sudden, I saw every one of these guys running for their lives. Wow. How and scary that, is that? that was the first stage and what um, was happening. And at that point, everybody was going to the rear gate. And I don't know the – I forget the, the construction contractor that was out there at the time. He, he had a, a cement roller. He basically really an unsung hero. If he didn't hit that gate, um, there would have been a lot of these guys because some of these guys a little bit older – just, you know, eat a lot, don't move a lot. They couldn't even get over the, the fence because you had concertina wire. Oh, wow. So uh, so let me back up. So they were headed for the back gate, but the back gate was obviously closed. So somebody was, had to it, have opened it. It was closed. And I really, quite frankly, at that point, I really didn't get, I was very naive. Uh, being a Marine just out of the Marine Corps, I'm like, hey, you don't leave your post. I know it's crazy. Because um, I look at my friend who I, so coincidental, I just bumped into him. A week ago, I haven't seen him in 30 years. Um, he was a fellow chemical operator, and they, they put the two loudmouth rings together. <laughs> and um, I look at him, and he says, hey, we're getting the blank out of here. I said, dude, we just can't leave. And my thing was, you know, I was thinking in my mind, this place could blow up. Right. And he goes, because he would always say, Dom, when this place goes, it's going to take half the valley with it. And he says, no, we're getting the F out of here. Wow. And he, if it wasn't for him, they would have probably had a third casualty because I was so naive uh, to really the, the volatile nature of all this. Wow. So at that point, um, there was another a container where the liquid went that I would have to test and everything else. I don't know exactly what it had in it, but that thing disintegrated. It just blew up. It was about 20 feet tall by about 10 feet wide. And that's when I said, okay, we're, we're out of here. Wow. Um, so, you know, we hit the back gate. And, again— I don't want to brag or not, but, you know, you just just fresh out of Marine Corps of infantry guys. So <laughs> You're in good you, shape. You do obstacle courses, and to me, that's a joke. So I jump over the chain link fence. The wow. The wire is like my best friend. Big deal. But some of these poor guys, they couldn't even get over the fence. Mm. 
And I'm sitting there, um, and I know it sounds cruel and morbid, but I, I look at one guy and say, see, I, I told you you should start working out. Right. Well, then I realized this poor dude's not going to be able to, he had the fear of God in his eyes. And um, now these guys are starting to spaz. So, okay, let's get something to open his gate. That's when they were, we were, they were laying a, a cement foundation in the back. And a guy with a cement roller, he said, move out, and he just ran the, the gate. Wow. And I did not know for that, that story. There would have been a lot more casualties that day. Wow, what a hero. I did not know that story. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Wow. So right after that happened, that, that gate busted open. Some of the construction crew came out, and then that's when my section blew up because it was a very volatile area in the liquid form. So my section was a warehouse that was maybe the size of a small um, – like an Albertsons grocery store, maybe not so not that tall, but it, it was a big place, and it just boom, just blew up and disintegrated. Mm. Now, how far uh, were you? Now we're speaking with Dominic Rodriguez, who was in Pepcon the day it blew up thirty years ago today. Now, how far away were you when you're when the building you had been working in actually blew up? You were at what point uh, away from the, the oh, scene? Oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just guesstimate. And again, if there's some some guys out there that can, and this is a rear gate I'm talking about. Anybody that was there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I would, I would probably say, oh, I'm going to guess right now, a hundred yards away from it. Because you just kept running, right? You were trying to help these guys get out, but everybody was just running as fast as they could. Well, again, I'm going to go back to my friend Claude, who I just saw first time in 30 years at Black Mountain Car Wash just last week. Because uh, as soon as it broke, uh, one of the construction trucks and these guys were just construction guys. They were more. I was like, what's the big? deal? I'm still at the stage of what's the big deal? You don't run, you take care of the problem. And um, these guys come rolling by and says, hey, get in if you can. And we're in raw desert now. Wow. We're right next to the marshmallow plant. Mm-hmm. And so I said, no problem. I run, jump in the back of the truck. These, some of these poor guys couldn't even get in there. And I was going to jump out. And again, my friend Claude says, just go, just go. Uh, okay. So we go ahead and we split. And so I think we get right by the side of the marshmallow plant. There was another big explosion. That might have been my, my section. So I stand corrected. Um, and all I remember is, you know, fundamentals that you learn in, in any type of infantry unit. You see an explosion, you're going to hear it and feel it. So you just duck down, cover your head, and then wait for the debris to, to fall. Interesting. And then when I looked up, the marshmallow plant just reminded me, it was like a, a Bugs Bunny cartoon. When, you know, you see a fish and, or somehow, and all you see is a skeleton. It was, majority of it was just frame left. Wow. And, the, and these folks are, and again, they're running out of the marshmallow plant. These folks are like freaking out and crying. They didn't even work at Pepcon. And again, my mindset, that's just not who I am. I'm like, okay, I don't get it. Uh, it's not so much I'm dumb. It's just, you know, let's just handle our business. Right. Well, that's what the Marines do. That was the Marine mentality. That would be the same mentality with a firefighter. You run toward the fire, yeah, not exactly. away from yeah, it. Yeah, any first, any first responder is going to be doing that kind of stuff. Of course. Well, I'll tell you, we, we ended up going through the desert. This, this guy that was driving the truck was so afraid, he ended up going nose first into a gully, and so we were stuck. We dragged out. So some other explosions were happening. Once things started happening, you know, you just duck down, stay low, level, you know, don't stick your head up. Most of the, most of the injuries that were happening that day, apart from the two fatalities that I can I, I get to, is um, they were all just really clueless, um, you know, I don't want to say it this way, civilians have never been around ordinance or anything else. Right. And so they were sitting there looking at the explosion and kept staring at it. Then the shock wave and debris would hit them in the face and knock them down. Mm. Um, so, you know, at that point, you know, we kept, kept making our way out. I believe I, I made my way out to the, um, the gravel pit that's out on Stephanie. Wow. That's quite a haul. Yeah. Because at that time there was nothing out. You said a mouthful. So 
totally different place. Yeah, totally different. <laughs> yeah, and I remember getting up there. Now, at that time, I stand on top of the hill. And as I stand on top of the hill, I'm looking there. Now, I also remember as a young child um, when uh, – what's that What's that? Uh, Nevada Power caught on fire? Yeah. And one of their, their tanks exploded, and I think there was a fatality as well out there. And how everything is set up is coming out of Nevada Power and all the gas stuff because of World War II, because of that whole industrial area in Henderson being Tevcon, Kermagee, Timet. Right. Uh, everything is – is there first for for those purposes. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, Claude is right. When this place goes, half the valley is going to go with it. Mm -hmm. Because if that stuff goes, then Nevada Power goes. Then I started, oh wow. Now it was at that point when I'm looking at um, the 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 basically the plan at this point is just a gigantic um, flames, a big big pillar of black smoke going up. Now keep in mind, you know I've been around live ordinance, dropped it in Twenty Nine Palms, Florida. You know, place like that in Marine Corps, you know, I'm not speaking anything anybody else hasn't done. So I'm used to seeing some big ordinance. This was the biggest explosion I ever saw. And so I'm sitting there looking at this gigantic um, black pillar, and then right from right from the inside of it is this gigantic fireball that just comes flying out. Wow. And right then I said, oh, boy. So I hit the dirt, and as I hit the dirt, I'm staying down, and there was a couple – gravel pit workers and now by now a handful of marshmallow folks got out there and i and then the the guy he made me feel silly but he goes um what, what's that dude doing i think he said what's that dork doing because i was face down in the dirt and right when i started feeling silly i opened my eyes i was going to come up the entire ground underneath me just kind of lit up like it was a big lightning bolt wow so i stayed i stayed down further because i saw the explosion so i knew it was going to be a matter of time before we feel it and then just keep your head down Sure enough, I got up, and you had, you know, a couple bodies around me, you know, just, you know, with faithfuls of rock knocked on their backside and on and on. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the dork was doing, trying to protect himself. Now, I, I know you and your wife have been married forever. Were you married at that time, or were you, you were dating, right, at the time? No, no, we were married. Okay, yeah, so we were... how long was it before you could get a hold of Nikki and let her know that well, you were okay? This is before a, cell phone days, right, obviously. Very, well, that's a very good point, and I'm going to call it. Because, because of irresponsible media coverage, um, they right away, everybody had to jump all over the story. And when they jumped all over the story, for the longest time, now all the lines were down. You couldn't uh, forget cell phones. Yeah, no cell phones, them, but you, you couldn't even call anybody. Wow. Um, for about five, six hours. And, of course, the irresponsible media coverage right away came out to sensationalize anything. Uh, 200 people reported dead at Pepsi. Oh, my gosh. And I couldn't get a hold of anybody. Now, keep in mind, my father-in-law was working on the board of directors for Pepcon, right under Ted Gibson. Oh, my gosh. Couldn't get a hold of him. So we all knew how serious it was. I was house-sitting for a friend of mine who's a firefighter up in the old Section 27 in Henderson. So it took about five hours. I got myself. I managed to get a ride. And it was so surreal, Heidi, because I grew up in Henderson, went to basic high school. So as I'm going up Boulder Highway. I got hitched a ride on this water truck from the from the, uh, the rock pit. And as we're going up Boulder Highway, here's these places I used to go to after football games, like a, a pizza hut or the McDonald's or something. All the windows, everything oh, broken, yeah. shattered. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, we got to give kudos to something. And people don't say it enough. That I got dropped off at the old St. Rose de Lima, Lake Mead and Boulder Highway. This is before the whole critical incident stuff now that police are, and departments and fire departments are doing and everything else as i 
dropped off there, I, I looked on the front lawn, and those people did a great job. They, they already had cots out there. Mm, they, they were, were ready. systematic. Mm -hmm. They were bringing people in, screening them. I mean, they were squared mm. away. Wow. Now, again, retired police officers talking to you. This is before the critical incident days, and these guys were squared away. Mm, that's um, now, so how long was it till you were able to get a hold of your wife and say, hey, I'm okay? Oh, I, I think it was about a good mm, six hours maybe. Oh, my gosh. That had to be the longest six hours of her life because we forget this is 1988. We're not talking cell phones right. here. We're not talking right. anything that we take for granted now. That is incredible. Yeah. The, wow. the poor girl, uh, she got a – she was able finally to get into Henderson because they were locking everything down. Uh, you had the big orange cloud. Thank God we had a, a, a drift of wind that day or, or it would have just hovered right over the top of the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So they shut it all down, and she, when she got there, she really thought I, I was kind of toast. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine that. Well, I'm sure she treated you nicer after that. Just kidding. You know I love your wife, and I love you, too. <laughs> uh, we're, talk we're talking with Dominic Rodriguez, who was in Pepcon the day it blew up 30 years ago. Dom, thank you for the story. Uh, I'm so obviously thrilled that you made it, and I, I'm just – I know there were a couple casualties, I know, but uh, what a what an amazing story it really is. Oh, well, thank you so much. I I, I didn't even know it was 30 years, so I'm going to now go do and celebrate, do something. I don't know. <laughs> I think you should, definitely. <laughs> All right. Great talking to you, Dom. Thank you for the information. What a crazy story, huh? It's interesting to hear from an actual survivor of something that could have been far, far worse than it was. And I wonder how you'd change your life if you survived something like that. I mean, certainly he's gone on to have a couple of careers, and now he's a pastor, and he's been my pastor for almost 10 years. So it was great to hear from him. In addition to my podcast, I hope you are tuning into my live show weekdays, 9 to 10 a.m. on 670 a.m. KMZQ in Las Vegas. That's 670 a.m. I'm on weekdays, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. I hope you're tuning in, checking online or in your radio, in the car, whatever it might be. I appreciate you tuning in. I know a lot of people are finding the show, and I'm grateful for that. Also, don't forget to pick up my book, Don't Pat Me on the Head, Blowbacks, Setbacks, and Comebacks in Vegas Radio. It's getting rave reviews. A lot of my radio friends love it, and they're recommending it to their clients. And uh, whether you like radio or not, I think you'll find it interesting. If certainly you like radio, or you wouldn't be listening to me or my podcast. But there's a lot of great behind-the-scenes stuff, a lot of great tips, and a lot of commentary. It's not a political book. But I think you'll find it interesting. Don't pat me on the head. Blowbacks, setbacks, and comebacks in Vegas Radio. I'm Heidi Harris. Until next time, remember, as in the case of my pastor, Dom Rodriguez, God has a purpose for you. Be sure you find out what it is. Here's Tony Scottwell.